0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Offsite Podcast, uh, where we chat all things construction, technology, and everything in between. My name's Carlos, and I spend most of my days talking to construction teams about how we deliver projects.
1: And I'm Jason, and I spend most of my time building and designing software that construction teams use to deliver their projects.
0: So today we're talking about the mammoth amount of wind farms being built around the world, Hinckley Point C and Ferrarial's new Metaverse, which they've named Infraverse. Can't wait. First up, wind farms. Now, everyone knows there's a big push for renewables. Um, it's hard to miss that, but to give a little bit of context around the scale, because I don't know much about wind farms, so I just wanted to know, what are we actually doing in construction world? So in the EU 2022, we delivered 15 gigawatts worth of turbines. That translates to about 3000 new turbines which is 30% up from the year before, so it's obviously growing massively. Um, No mean feet from a construction point of view, as they're all, I think they average 300 feet plus. So Jason, as an engineer, what's the immediate challenge here?
1: So like as an engineer or as a project manager, my brain immediately goes like, how would I manage that type of project? And like each project normally has like something about it that's uniquely challenging. And for a wind farm project, like these turbines are massively spread apart. And so when you've got 3,000 of them or whatever the project is, or 100 of them or something, like you're talking about a project over such a large geographical area. Add yeah. on top of that if it's offshore, right? If you think about how like uh, you would manage on a day-to-day basis a project that's a couple of kilometers or miles of rail or road or something, the go-to is obviously like everyone in a room once a day or all the engineers in a room once Every a week. Team. Yeah. yeah, and so like that, all those things suddenly become challenged. Um, like booking inspections, like in time for someone to make it to an inspection. Yeah, the logistical challenge associated with that type of project, I think, would be, would be what's unique about it. So I think a project like that must need to lean on, I guess, one better planning, because um, better planning is like the antidote to logistical challenges normally. Yeah. Uh, And then probably some way of virtually replacing the everyone in a room once a day or everyone in the room once a week. I'm just reflecting on um,
0: some projects that we've worked on before. You're putting me on the spot here. Uh, But yeah, there was a massive wind farm project in Norway. Yeah, the logistics is nuts because we were primarily used for the infrastructure. It's not just the sort of they build pad foundations which are going to facilitate the turbine structures but they actually had to build infrastructure to deliver the job because you're in the middle of nowhere, there's no roads and you need yep. trucks and deliveries and everything else yep. to come. So it's, uh, it was pretty mega, but it was clear that a company like Vestas, they're not like a typical tra- contractor again, with- Wait for Joe. With, with, uh, <laughs> I need to stop, you're doing that. Um, it's not like a typical contractor where you've got big white-collar teams on the ground. They clearly have a relatively small central team managing projects around the world, and they're just sort of ticking over. So. It was clear to them that they needed tech they had things like teams um, and obviously apex then allowed them to actually remotely collaborate around a plan and and be able to build out um, as a team which is geographically spread around the world so yeah pretty interesting
1: so we've got like we've got this geographically spread out project so typically if you think about what would happen on a construction project normally you think about the org chart you've got projects are normally like broken up geographically so you'll have like the east team or the this all yeah. team and then so there's a manager that's like co-located with their sub team and they're kind of you know maybe some people on a cabin and some people in an office kind of nearby that's like a 10 minute walk or something you're interacting
0: with each other yeah
1: you sort yeah. you kind of but then at some point on this project you've got to have people that are you know let's even take an offshore they're nowhere near um or there might be like an hour and a half drive or something yeah. from uh from other people yeah it's like a significant challenge i think like planning is like the antidote to logistics uh logistical challenges so like being aware of inspections instead of booking them the day before you've got to book them a yeah. week before if you need materials to an area you need to plan for those materials two weeks before
0: you're not calling in concrete from a batch plant. no you're before. not calling in concrete
1: <laughs> and if, i don't know if you've seen but the size of the foundations on these uh wind type are enormous. Yeah. I think there's that case study on the website that shows one of the footings uh, for yeah. a project in Norway. And it's, they're mega. The um, So massive projects with, uh, the good thing about them is they're very repeatable, right? Like once you build one footing, they're often-
0: Yeah, I'd imagine each, of each other. pad is the same spec.
1: So from like what type of challenges you typically get on projects, this is probably like 20 out of 10 on logistics. And then- um, yeah maybe less complex on everything being unique to itself like if you compare it to something like a, a rail project like crossrail where like every station there were like completely different challenges
0: yeah you can imagine um you're building structures tall structures in high wind locations yeah, <laughs> so yeah. even that alone you're, you're like screwing yourself on the conditions immediately yeah yeah you'd
1: have to you'd, every project would have to have a, like a weather uh, expert that guesses the weather yeah <laughs> today we're gonna do it yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not
0: talking of cranage good segue into Hinkley point C so this week we saw uh, I think Ed Miliband was visiting Hinkley um, there's a big theme and agenda around nuclear energy hydrogen nuclear is obviously a big reliable source of energy and at the moment with the lights of Ukraine obviously we can see that I like how you segued point via
1: a cranage and not via like wind versus nuclear just to keep it not controversial. That's a really good point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like to keep people guessing. Um, yeah, it's a clear reliance on importing energy. So there's obviously a big drive for nuclear. Yeah. Um, but the opposite problem to a wind farm, which is spread over miles or hundreds of miles, you've now got crazy congested sites, which are obviously costly. And yeah, how do you start to think about that from a logistical point of view?
1: Yeah, like you said, it's like the opposite problem. I reflect on um, on an LNG project done as like a young engineer, and LNG, liquefied natural gas, right? Uh, fossil fuels. Yeah, cool. go right. Do you want me to say? I remember that? those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, got it. Um, when you would try to uh, maneuver around the site the like when things were being built the the size of like laydowns and the coordination of like lay down of the materials for this person or this team you know because you've got essentially uh take like Hingley, it's like it's like a, a whole city of buildings and like it's not just building this building it's building this building while the ne- while the yeah. neighboring building is being built and like your cranes are next to each other i imagine probably a bunch of them i don't know maybe are in the same slew path as each other mm. um so yeah, like the entire opposite problem to to like a, a wind farm. I would imagine, and I, reflecting on what we used to have to do, was like, yeah, planning in ahead for like, what space I need to lay stuff down. If I'm in six months going to install pipe racks or something, where are those gonna be stored? Well, at the moment they're being occupied by another contractor and then another contractor is gonna come in and use the space. So there's like, they become like a lot of, uh, Interrelationships between different, whether it's contractors or teams in the same company, around like space being used across the site. You might call like, yeah, like the communal spaces.
0: How does that actually get managed though? So surely you've got lots of teams that aren't even managed by the same individuals. Are they fighting for it? Or is there a planner somewhere saying, based on schedule, this area needs to be um, for these guys first?
1: On this type of, like on that size of project, again, drawing like on my own experience, the type of stuff that's obstructing one team from another, like that one person's putting in the space that another team person is, is not the type of stuff that gets picked up and moved in a day. Mm. Um, so you can't really fight for it. It's not like there's a fight on a day-to-day basis of who's going in this space. It's usually like I'm three to six months out. Yeah. Like my delivery is arriving, I'm planning to put it here your stuff needs to be gone. Is that getting, because if that's getting delayed, then we've got a problem. Should I be talking to my supplier about delivery dates? Often like, especially on these projects, like stuff is more and more prefabricated and modularized. Yeah. These modules also have a storage yard that is not infinite. Yeah. So like stuff backs up and backs up and backs up. Yeah, long range planning and high level coordination of that space is super important. I imagine there's probably also some amount of day-to-day yeah, shit fight around Obviously cranes got,
0: moving and you've got your like plant and materials presumably as they're moving you're actually shifting logistics route like pedestrians and I, like actually
1: I take that back there would definitely be a day to day shit fight around
0: yeah all but that j- stuff. is that unsafe is that like seen as a risk when you change pedestrian routes because it's new and it's unfamiliar
1: uh, yeah is that a factor I, I, I imagine it would definitely be the on a project that has like a fairly static route you can build quite a, like an infrastructure around it, yeah. so people don't go off that route. Yeah. But if it's constantly changing, like the standards can slip and all that sort of stuff. So I imagine there is some element of that. But yeah, yeah now that you mentioned, like definitely, like a crane moving from one spot to another, like a haul route or something. If there's any like trucks moving anything, yeah. that would definitely be a day-to-day shift. Flight. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they manage that.
0: But yeah, yeah. Especially if you're moving big car. <laughs> you.
1: Yeah, if you're moving big car. <laughs> everyone just has to get out of the way
0: they just had to build its own like railway tracks cast into the ground for it to ship along. so then
1: even like crossing those tracks would be like you would have to probably build up a temporary platform to cross
0: them yeah yeah yeah. it
1: would be a it would be a battle
0: yeah the scale is uh it's crazy uh obviously we luckily got to see it the other day and i think that was that's right you're at when
1: when did you go out to hinkley
0: back end of last year uh so went on a site tour there was something like 56 tower cranes (laughs) Like, yeah, each tower crane, you're gonna correct my construction language here, but the turning circles all overlap.
1: Yeah, the sle- yeah that's what I'm saying. The slew radius
0: would definitely, like, yeah. So they will, like, there's, like, this whole operation just to turn them all. Oh, you know,
1: like, I just have this image of, like, this one at the end wants to turn, so this one needs to turn, so th- and then, yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they will just, all to do one lift on the other yeah, side. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, I don't get it, but. anyway. Right, so, final topic for Ovial have been shouting in the news about something called Improverse, which has been sort of loosely described like a metaverse. They claim it pulls together...
1: You say loosely described, as in it's in the name?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's something that's relatable, I guess. Okay. Yeah, people like me can understand it then. Okay. Um, So they say it pulls together virtualization, augmented reality, AI, behavioral science, digital twins, the whole list of tech stuff. Um, and it's being tested on a bunch of projects. A lot of the content is buzzwordy, from collaboration to immersive stuff. What's your thoughts they on the initial in information we can see? You're
1: asking me. Well, yeah. I, given I don't even know what the metaverse is, uh, to me, yeah. it, and it's just a bunch of bobbleheads uh, talking to each other.
0: I think it's like uh, a Facebook version of The Sims, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's the <laughs> yeah, bobblehead version of The Sims. Yeah. Uh, given I don't know what that is, uh, I guess there's. If you go back like a couple of years when like everything BIM was like the hot topic, you just group like a bunch of concepts and just jam it like it's all BIM enabled. Um, It does feel like they've just taken a bunch of things and jammed it together and tried to make a word that sounds like metaverse.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks good on the the pitch of the tender. I have no idea what it is though. Yeah. Uh, So we on Crossrail, we had, I can't remember the name for it. Beep that one, Joe. Um, (laughs) Um. They had these square rooms where they had like four projectors to produce like 360 images of what was effectively the BIM model. And you could go in without, you could wear the goggles and you could sort of move around and and look at stuff. It was like shit and gimmicky. It was just the BIM team or people that didn't have real jobs playing in it and that they used it to show visitors. So it was like a flashy thing, but it didn't really add actual value. Do you reckon from the limited information that we have, do you reckon it's somewhere in there, or do you think they've actually?
1: I think at some point something like this is going to be valuable. I think the main problem that it's like seems to try and solve is around communication of the site constraints, maybe communication of a plan. If we think about four D type yeah. things, the anything headset related always ends up like you cannot put fifty people in a room and yeah. unless you've who's got they don't even have enough budget for a hard hat. that like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. you're not getting a hundred vi headsets anytime soon so anything like that feels kind of really gimmicky and just for a sales pitch for someone visiting the site or something but yeah communication being this like core problem of getting um, more and more people across a project aware of how it's going to be built how their part feeds into it that is a, a major problem in construction to be solved anything in that space would be valuable i don't I don't see headsets doing it. We have seen examples of things like in the article they use the they use a mission room. Yeah. And like we've seen the mission room be used on a couple of different projects. Um, it works well for like I don't know what size of
0: room would you say? Uh oh, anything more than 20 25 people it's tough.
1: Yeah, so you could do you can do quite a like substantive meeting with like leads of an area. Or if you real if the project wasn't too big, you could stagger like sub teams yeah. in there. But yeah, like on the projects that we've seen that use, it works. That's better than a bunch of headsets.
0: Yeah, you touch on the um, learning how the job is built. Previous jobs, and bearing mind, was a QS, not an engineer, so you just get slapped a bunch of drawings, so then you kind of look at the program, but you, you don't really think, right, it's base slapped in columns and, yep. and and how the job is sequenced. Yep. And I've seen a whole bunch of decent ones that I think Synchro producers and a few others where they say, they show slabs going in and then walls and yep. then everything else. So it's good from a surface level to see how the job is kind of built, yep. but it's definitely not enough to actually plan because it's so high level. So I think it's serving a purpose, but the thing that gets me with those visualizations is like people post saying, oh, it only took me four weeks to build. I'm like, Yeah, yeah.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> the plan changes on site every day. So if you need four weeks to build it, like it's yeah game over. Um, but yeah that's definitely true like there's like when you would start on a project as an engineer you'd spend like you'd still be like six months in discovering months learning, like yeah. learning what by the end it feel the whole set of plans become like intuitively navigable yeah um but it takes an age to get there
0: yeah yeah and you end up with that weird project language that no one else understands
1: yeah yeah, yeah. you end up just from the set of drawings you can walk through the project in your mind yeah um but that takes a lot of time, and not like that's only a subset of people on the project that have that much exposure to the plans that you.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, and it's the good project managers. You see something, and they you can see them think for one second. And they go, "Is no way there?" That's, yeah, yeah, there's
1: no there's no riser in that area. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah. So, <laughs> summary of that topic is it's a gimmick.
0: We've just made a wild set of assumptions (laughs) of what it is and then slagged it off, (laughs) which is great. So uh, keen to see actually what it is uh, when they release a bit more information. Right. That's all we've got time for today. Um, As always, thank you very much for listening. Thank you.